1: Hey Geekscape, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and if this is your first Geekscape, we like to talk pop culture. We like to talk storytelling. I sit down with storytellers, whether they come from movies, TV, comics, video games, uh, music, you name it. And we talk about the stories they tell, and maybe a little bit of news or reviews. If you guys listen to last week's episode with Matt Weinhold, we barely talked to M- about Matt at all. <laughs> I mean, he's a comedian, he was awesome, but man, did we, when you started talking about like, when we started talking about how to get the Fantastic Four into the MCU... The rest of the episode just kind of goes off the rails and we're only going to be talking about what we would do with the Fantastic Four. So if you want to hear that, listen to last week's episode. But I think you should stick around for this week's episode because I've got three friends... Uh, here with me. I got my friend Brock Laborde. He's the creator of Space World. It's an animated uh, project that's over on the Octopi Network. If you guys are on YouTube, go over to Octopi. Uh, Do you pronounce it Octopi? I'm going to ask my good friend Lon Strickland if you pronounce it Octopi because I think some people call it Octopi and I was like, there's no fucking way they named their channel Octopi. No, you nailed it, Jonathan. It's Octopi. (laughs) Lon Strickland from Octopi who's also massively a creative and hilarious human being. He's been on Geekscape before. Uh, Brock's been on Geekscape before this man Greg Cicero has never been on Geekscape but he's been at the Geekscape booth at Comic Con so it feels like he's been on Geekscape and uh, one of the other stars of the Space World animated project um, Tommy Wiseau has been on Geekscape and he's not with us here because I don't know man I replayed that when 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 uh, when when the new what was the remake of the room the disaster artist came yeah, out yeah, yeah. I re shared the episode Tommy was on and I listened to it and I was like man that was tough I love, <laughs> love Tommy him. but man I remember being on there on the couch with you and just like wow yeah. that guy I don't know if I can do the three of you guys. And Tommy, I, can, I think I can do Tommy. Or I can do the three of you guys, but man, it's like being in the ring with a with Mike Tyson. Yeah. So yeah, Tommy, nothing book. but the utmost respect. If you're listening to this. But if you come on the show, it's one-on-one, baby. <laughs> you got that? I want one-on-one. All right? You and me in the ring. That's it. Because, holy shit, the guy throws some haymakers. Yeah. Um, but it's awesome to have you on the show, Greg, dude. Thanks yeah, it's for good, coming, man. And it seems like yesterday we were just hanging out at the booth. Remember that at Comic-Con we were hanging out? You nine guys years were, ago. I, yeah. It was nine years ago. You guys yeah. were promoting um, another Machinima project you guys were doing, I think. No, I wait, that was
3: for the House that Drips Blood on Alex for Comedy Central. Holy crap. Yes, the Tommy Wise show came in between that. Yeah.
1: and that was the time away show which was on machinima back when you worked at machinima lawn and now we got this new thing space world on octopi yes and i
0: met greg through the house that drips blood on alex as well when he was screening it at comic-con and that's how i I approached him right after the screening and introduced myself and, and i think i was also programming for the
3: shit movie film festival yes Yes, and, uh, we, we bonded over <laughs> shit movies. It was That's literally
1: funny. called the Shit Movie Film Festival. Yes, I think. I, did, I, I did remember this now. What happened to the shit movie film festival, Lon? I had a baby. <laughs> I had also, a human baby.
3: Let's be clear, it wasn't movies about literal shit. It was just like dumpy movies. Yes, it bad was a, It was a
0: style of humor and comedy, I, I guess, but it was uh, challenging when people would misinterpret it, and some of the submissions were interesting,
1: to say the <laughs> yeah, least. you with that, Lon, I, I now remember you having this film festival. And last time he was on Geekscape Geekscapist, it was a few years ago, and you left me with The Punisher on Blu-ray. That's right. And I was like, damn, this is a prized possession. I just saw it the other day when I was going through my shelves. Yeah. Like, what to watch? What do I watch? What do I watch? I was like, do I want to watch Dolph Lundgren's Punisher on Blu-ray? Not today. Yeah. But I, I, I distinctly remember you giving that to me as a, a prized treasure of mine. Well, I
0: am a connoisseur of physical media, as, as most of my friends know. Yes. I, I, I'm a preservationist. Um... Some people call me a pirate, but uh, that's really not the case.
2: You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, more right. Of a We're
3: sitting in your treasure room right now, <laughs> surrounded by movie posters and figurines uh, from my childhood and beyond. I love that you have a Mark Singer uh, post of Beastmaster 2 through the Portal of Time.
0: Yes, it, I, I really was going for, you know, nothing too obvious. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's some things around that that you, you see quite a bit, but, it, you know, the sequels, the things that are a little obscure, you know, that's that's kind of what, what gets me going.
1: Yeah, I want Julian Sands and his World Art poster to just be staring into my soul. <laughs> and you didn't go with the obvious first Swamp Thing. Right. You went with the second Swamp Thing right. for well, your which poster. Which is
0: such a fun poster, uh... It's funny, and you make these connections because I, I didn't realize that Jim Wynorski, the director of *The Return of Swamp Thing*, also wrote *Beastmaster* 2. Yep, and, and you don't you don't put these things together until you actually put them all in the same room, and you're like, oh. Interesting.
3: What does that say about me?
1: <laughs> it's like that... It, it, I can just imagine Lon, like a scene in like 7 when like the detectives have the pin board and they're trying to link the the, the murderer's next move and it's like the realization comes over Lon's face that he is the murderer. <laughs> he's like, this is all starting to make sense. The tapestry is all taking form. And he's like, oh God, the life I've lived. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've had people come God. through
0: here who are very honest and they look at me and they go... You're sick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we all have this, and as you said, this is all in your store. This was in your storage unit, and you got into a bigger space. You got married, you had a kid, and you're like, "I'm going to flex a little bit, yeah," and let you it put out. it all up here. And I think it's beautiful. And um, this is all this is the kind of stuff I have in my storage unit. And it used to be the stuff in the garage. Mm-hmm. Now it's the stuff in the storage unit. And one day. The shrine will will rise again. That's that's life. You know, when
0: you come into these, you know, more space, you just have more more place to, to, to put your
1: things and you, play. You don't act like you don't know what we're talking about. You know exactly what we're Especially talking about. Especially in L.A. and Brock just moved to L.A. Uh, from Louisiana, so he's gonna he's gonna flex a little bit. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Space is it's sacred.
3: Gonna, it's gonna take a while. Yeah, I'm too mobile. Uh, You know, I've been tossed around the country by various natural disasters over my life, <laughs> so I'm now, like, too scared to actually collect anything, but I really wish I could. He, I'm just going to live through you guys. Yeah, going you know, like, come you by any time.
1: If you first remember, when Brock first came on the show, he came be, like because you were starting a more of an improv school out here, and you were displaced by Katrina, and you'd moved to Austin and then to L.A., um we're safe here right i know there's a hurricane that's hitting florida like that ain't you right
3: uh no but there's you know earthquakes and things burning everywhere all around us so <laughs> he's you like i'm know. sure of it <laughs> oh it's I've, coming i've got my uh shit your, hits the fan disaster kit with me you your know bug okay, out in mag? case something happens in the middle of this podcast but it's you Oh, you're it the, follows yeah, me. It follows
1: you. <laughs> I'm here with someone whose social life has been has led to this tapestry of, mm-hmm. so, uh, <laughs> that we're surrounded by in, in Lawn. And then we got uh, Brock here who is literally followed by Disaster. It, yeah. um, Greg, you're the only saving grace on the show. <laughs> like It comes down to you. Wait. But... You wrote a book called The Disaster yeah, yes. <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> what have we done? I mean... <laughs> Greg is the author of the Disaster Artist. You guys remember the Disaster Artist movie and obviously you're in the room. Um, but you're now also in Space World, Brock. I'm going to start with you because I know Greg's in this, Tommy's in this. I'm guessing Lon has a voice in this because you're a performer too, Lon. You got a voice in <laughs> this as Not in the pilot, but you got a character I have done. plans for him. Okay, so Brock, tell me like where did this Space World come from? I love this thing. It's on the octopi. Uh, YouTube channel Geekscape. I shared on Geekscape
3: uh, when it first launched, but go check it out. So my official description right now of Space World is: it's a quirky and ridiculous stoner space show about a bunch of dysfunctional alien weirdos screaming at each other while their universe falls apart. You know, it's one of those yeah. shows. Okay, um, um, run it past me again. I, not, I mean, like the main characters. So you've got. Tommy Wiseau playing the character of TX, okay. who is uh, you know, the, in, an intergalactic bounty hunter who lives in this universe-sized land uh, called Space World, and um, you have Greg Sestero playing Drogol, his nemesis. Um, who in the pilot he captures him and slaps these titanium orb cuffs on him so he can't use his hands and says that he's gonna force him to be his friend uh, until the end of time and <laughs> have wacky adventures with him. And uh, then you've got they're supported by uh, just a motley crew of, you know, uh, very strange uh, aliens. So, it's basically like a
1: we're on a ship together show, like Star Trek, or you would get um, obviously if you listen to Geekscape, you know, Farscape was the basis for the show. Um, you, we're stuck on a ship together, we gotta mm-hmm. get along. So, you got all these disparate personalities. Uh, Tommy's obviously
3: the captain in this one. Um, but now, well, yeah, but uh, you but know, it doesn't the, mean he's in the charge. Thing, the thing is, in, in <laughs> space world, the a lot of the co- earthly concepts, such as you know, captains, which come from like a military background, uh, that it's not necessarily the case in space world. Uh, like for instance, one of the uh, the main crew members on the show is this this uh, shark like uh, uh, bionic creature named Sherbert Brown, and he. Claims to be TX's lawyer, but you'll find out that law and and the way lawyers work and, and fight court cases for you are, don't go the way that they do on Earth. You okay. know, things like that. Uh, I'm kind of exploding a lot of concepts that I think even a lot of sci-fi has moved forward. I'm kind of, like, taking it all back and going, what if we really, like... We, we take it all back to, like, the, the basics and kind of uh, fuck up.
0: Well, it's almost like the prime directive, right, of Star yes. Trek. If you remove that, yes, suddenly your foundation and moral compass is sort of like... Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Now, Droggle, Greg's character. Um, you guys, well, first off, let's get the concept of space world. Because Geeks gave mm-hmm. they just blew my brain out. Because um, he said it's a universe-like... It's a it's a world, the shape of a universe. I'm like, well, gra- oh, let me just start there. Why not just make it's it a, a universe? It's a bit of a paradox. Why not just call it? A, why, not, why not just make it the universe? Because why is it? A, it it's because, like a world like Disneyland. Like be, inside of yeah. So of, everyone
3: yeah. who lives in this huge universe-sized place calls themselves a space worldian. So it's it's not like I mean, sure there are millions of different like races and kinds of creatures, but just like. We all live in America and call ourselves Americans. Everyone there calls themselves space world. Yeah,
1: band. but we also live in the universe and call ourselves members of the universe. Why don't they just do that? Because it is. Is there a universe outside dis- of space world?
3: Well, that's a big thing I can't talk about. But it, it is a contained place. Because remember season two of
1: Westworld where they went to like Samurai Land or something and they went to like the India world and all this stuff. and you know, I didn't see that. In, in in Westworld season mm-hmm. two on the HBO version, they they like get out like it, there's parts that are outside of Westworld, mm-hmm. and it's not the Western stuff. It's like they're in like the, like India or they're in like uh, samurai like Shogun land and mm-hmm. so like that. And I'm like, okay, so maybe outside of space world, there's some crazy shit, but that's all inside of a universe too. You're blowing my brain up. Well, Jonathan, did you know that we only comprehend
0: about four percent of everything three on geekscape really three percent on geekscape <laughs> where you been bro where you been and you know where i got that knowledge was watching uh, ghostbusters the all-female cast version where uh, they make a point to to make that uh, real clear we only comprehend four percent of everything i
1: like... barely I, I comprehended about four percent of that sentence <laughs> like, that's, that's what you're working with here when you come on geekscape like I think that's why sometimes I gotta do one on ones because it's like wait slow this up hold yeah. on you're talking to somebody who needs to, to take this beat, like beat by beat so Greg you you play this bad guy but the, it, now I gotta now I had to redefine space world and the, the, the I had to redefine it because usually when you have a, a villain quote unquote villain their plot is to become like the most powerful entity in this defined universe right world, universe, yeah. um, but Greg's character like, is that your goal?
3: Before Tommy comes up and is like, no, I want friendship. Well, <laughs> I mean, he is a bounty hunter who uh, f- like, they Tommy's the bounty hunter? And Drogo's the bounty both hunter. of them are bounty hunters. They're both but, bounty hunters. But think, Try to imagine a, a show that is set in space that doesn't involve a evil empire that has one weapon that can destroy everyone or that is trying to gain all the power imagine that there is something another story to tell sure it's all anarchy Mm -hmm. but now we've got two bounty hunters but that are automatically sets
1: up the competition between bounty hunters so now we got two bounty hunters we got Uh uh-huh we got tx and we got Greg's mm-hmm. character. So, Greg, you're going after some bounties because yeah. you're a bounty hunter. So, what do you tell Greg when you're directing him and telling him about his character? Like, what is his
3: motivation? Because I'm guessing he does not want to become friends with TX. No. I mean, when we meet him in the pilot, TX is chasing him and they're obviously trying to kill each other. So, what do you tell
1: Greg when you talk about the story? When you talk about like where his character came from, where his character is going... What his character's internal drive is. We're talking like director now, Brock. I think as Tommy would say, that's the twist. <laughs> and nobody would understand. Wait, Greg, wait, like, how do you approach something like this? Because it sounds... Ins- is it insane or I do think, you
2: just I let mean, it go? It's, it's the kind of thing you need to... If you're going to do a animation show with Tommy, this is, I think this is the way to do it. But you've worked with Tommy more than anybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been around. How, <laughs> how has that left you? Uh, now, it's, like a decade removed plus, two decades removed, like how's that left you?
2: With a lot of great stories and life experience. Yeah. And it's taught me like what not to do. And also there's been some interesting lessons that I've learned that in a way Tommy had, he was right in some, he just didn't know how to express it. So I get it now what he was trying to do. It's just his communication is... Is a bit out there.
1: Is there like a circular logic there that you had to like? Because I feel like you, beyond being incredibly patient, understanding, and empathetic, like like you almost have to speak. No knock on Tommy, but but his idiosyncrasies almost demand that you think in a different logic circle yeah. than everyone else. And my real question for you, Greg, is like, has that rewired your brain in working with others? Because Um, you've been... It's almost like speaking a different language.
2: It is. It's a totally different language. And that's what's been great about Brock, is really the only other person that's been able to get things made and get Tommy there and work has been Brock. No, because he's insane, too. (laughs) Brock, I've known you a long time. Let's just... Don't tell (laughs) all my
3: secrets,
0: Jonathan.
1: (laughs) You just hear him... Did you just hear him explain the fucking universe? Like, he's insane.
0: Well, Brock, you do come with a certain set of skills, being that you're... um, working with amy heckerling right love to talk about that a little bit
2: oh yeah bit. you're right yeah that's right the
1: assistant thing oh no like greg's like get this fucking hot tomato not hot potato <laughs> off of me i'm like no you're not giving up the hot potato like that pal we gotta talk about how your brain's rewired
2: oh yeah that um <laughs> no it just taught me how important it is to learn like collaboration sure. and to work with people that are like they're focused on what you're doing but they're also willing to be yeah you know i'll go with that i won't go with that and um but yeah, working with Tommy is is a it's a reward in one sense because you're never gonna have more fun when it works. Like any given day when it's going well, it's great. And then when it's not, you realize you know how valuable it is to like work with people that can communicate the same way. Mm-hmm. So it it is just going into Tommy mode, right? Like slipping into a character, how you receive things, what you say, how you time it. Um, is there PTSD?
1: A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, like, kind of not joking. Like, there's kind of... I mean, I would think that if you shift... There is. You have that fear of,
2: like, getting, like, late-night messages and not knowing what what it's going to be about. And, I mean, it's just... Yeah, there is... And then you got to wonder, like, when it's time to just turn it off and say, okay, it's time to be a normal human being for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, But there is, like, there is an interest in the crazy, like... There is something cool about the unpredictability. You sure. Because it's like when you, you, you work, you work with good people, normal people, at the end of the day you go, but there's something just kind of fun about stepping back into that world for like an hour or a minute <laughs> or a day or a couple right. of days uh, because you don't know where you're going to get. And that's kind of what's, what's exciting. But isn't that what
1: we signed up for? Because I did spend the first top of the show talking about Lon's idiosyncrasies and Brock's idiosyncrasies. And when. When people ask, like I've had Tommy on the on the podcast, I had him at the at the Comic Con booth with you guys. Um, when people ask like what he's like, I just got to say like he's the one in Hollywood that you know about. Geekscape, it's like this is Hollywood and this is filmmaking. This is a creative. This is this is art, and we're cr- all creatives. And Tommy just happens to be the one that you know about. But there are a lot of Tommies. Not that there's not that there's. There's only one Tommy. Yes. If you get what I'm saying, Tommy? There's only one Tommy. But there are, I mean, Brock's got his thing, and Lon's got his thing, and Greg's got his thing, and I know I got my thing, and that's what makes it unique. Sadly, we work ourselves in an industry that also wants to work like a Ford assembly line and say, hey, this is a success. Let's do twenty more of these exactly the same way, while we're trying to make something unique and keep the voices unique and keep the voices out. And it, in in that juxtaposition,
3: can get really difficult sometimes. And in, in, uh, in regards to to Tommy, it, it I I've run into this because this is my third project with him, um, where a lot of his fans that discovered him through his movie The Room. They just want to see that over and over. They just want, you know, even you can look at the comments on our Space World pilot and there's people who on there saying, have them say you're tearing me apart or whatever. And it's like, why do you want that?
1: As an artist, you should, like, that's ridiculous. I, I remember being in uh, undergrad, my favorite bands is the Mr. T Experience. And mm-hmm. they put out a, a, an album 20 years ago called Revenge of Sweet and So Are You. And the album before that was called Love Is Dead. It was their big album on Lookout Records. And Green Day got big, and all the Lookout bands started getting popular. And there's the Mr. G Experience, and they were recipients of this attention, and their album got big. Their next album is basically a, a follow-up to Love Is Dead. It sounds almost identical, and I remember talking to their lead singer, and he was not into it. He's like, I just, I feel like I went out to do something, and I ended up with the same album again. And, and-, and you wonder why that third album afterwards was completely different and turned off fans, but Artists have to do that.
3: And you yeah. can't put lines like that. That's Tommy's yeah. line. That's his well, art. You can't put that in your art, pal. Because it's its own thing and like what's what's bizarre to me is when the people go, Oh, well then so if you're not gonna do, you know, just the room part two or whatever, then um I don't want to see him in something new because now he's in on the joke, as if there is a big joke. No. Like I don't think uh, I think a lot of people have looked at Tommy as a joke over the years, but seeing the reaction to Space World, I think it's starting to change some people's minds of yeah. like, oh, there's actually m- way more to him than just someone for me to point and laugh at. Mm-hmm. You know, right. he's, he's
0: always had a real strong brand, yeah, and a brand identity, and, and he makes a point to appear at a lot of these conventions and he's, he's he got does the, ba-
1: the football tossing and the basketball like he's been at the same conventions we have and yeah he, he, he plays up the room stuff but then when something like Best Friends comes out that two part that you guys did mm-hmm. like well, the reception on that was it what you guys intended or was it more like what Brock is talking about where it's like oh people just wanted a sequel to The Room
2: and you guys, I don't think, intended to give that to them at all. No, because I mean, already it's a
1: two-parter, and
2: it's not even in the same format. I, I mean, that's the thing. It was like with the book. When I was going to write the book, they were like, oh, is it going to be called You're Tearing Me Apart, Lisa? Is it going to be... You know, they just were expecting very surface level. A story, like a you know, a few chapters about making this bad movie. And I was like, no, this should be like a character story about getting to know these two people. So I think the audience will follow you if you give them something different. But on the surface, like what Brock's saying they're going to expect the room because that's what they've like fallen in love with, mm-hmm. if that's the right term.
0: Well, I remember when Franco uh, came away from the project saying things like, it started it one way and then it ended being this super personal... James yeah. Franco, yeah. Yeah, James Franco was like, it, it, it touched me in a way that I was not expecting. Right? And he
2: had never even seen the room. Greg, do you think that the level
1: of depth surprised people because you're so fucking good looking? Do you think that's what's going <laughs> on here? Is I what's, think is that... Because can... you don't age, and, and like last time I saw you was like 10 years ago, and I'm like... The fuck is this? You know, like is it, you just drink blood? Like what is this guy? <laughs> I mean, like, do you think that do you think that being I'm, so very good looking, maybe people are like, oh, this guy can't write a book that's gonna be anything but cursory? Well, I,
2: yeah, I think they see the room and that character that I play has like has like no depth at all. Okay. Like so I think they thought what's gonna come out of this and, and so I think if you have a big vision of what you're trying to do, and that's what I think Space World is. I think Brock is not like trying to do the room or or that's not what we came in because even even like whenever the room's mentioned tommy flips out about that he's like look we don't we're not here to do the room you know room is separate Mm -hmm. so he he doesn't want that i don't think any of us want that i think we just want to surprise the fans and give them like something totally different and that's what the pilot did i think people were were impressed by it and fans i I, i'm just going to tell you the truth you deep down you don't want that
1: no, like no, no fan wants that because because that's how you stop being a fan of something is when you've had too much of it.
0: And and you can start with a surface level of like, oh, this is bad, so it's funny. But the moment you take you go a little bit deeper in that realm, and I and I did this with the shit movie film festival. I was um, about to say, I was it,
1: like, nobody knows, nobody's more qualified to, to say no, this it's, than <laughs> it's it's
0: a realm of absurdity, right? And absurdity is the search for meaning, uh, where there where there is none, is the definition of it. So it's sort of this paradoxal evaluation of, of, of comedy, really, of what is, what is funny, which is, well, the moment you begin to analyze it, it, it sort of becomes complex. It
1: changes its own, it, it changes based on its perception, because you're turning it
3: around and the form has now changed. That's right. It's, it's the Heisenberg effect. And I, I'm so glad you mentioned the comedy of it all, because I think that's really the root here, is... A lot of uh, young people these days, I think, have been uh, brought up with a lot of what I call reference comedy, where it's you're just supposed to laugh at something because someone is mentioning something that existed, you know, 20 years, years even, ago. It's not even a craptastic joke. Why
1: do you hate Big Bang Three?
3: I, see. I, I don't <laughs> even know. Like, I haven't watched any
1: Big Bang Theory, yeah. you know, ever. But I think, that's the, I think um, that's the gripe with a lot of the shows is, like, the reference is supposed to be a joke rather than the crafting of an actual joke.
3: It, yeah, and Yeah, and I think reference comedy is collapsing on itself because everything is being rebooted and remade over and over, and so there's no new jokes. It's like, does anyone really need to tell... Any Star Wars or Star Trek jokes yeah. now? Because mm-hmm. they've been telling them for forty years, and even Star Wars itself isn't telling any new stories.
1: Well, like, yeah, no, uh, and and it's something I've talked about with a lot of people is that now we've we've grown up with a generation of filmmakers whose influences are films. There, there's even a story I heard that in editing uh, um, the Hateful Eight, Quentin said that his influence was. Reservoir Dogs. And I'm like, oh well, listen man, I don't know, I don't know, like that is taking it another step of like, I'm not even influenced by other people's films at this point. Um, but yeah, we end up in an age of remakes with Jurassic World and the episode sevens being the first in the series all over again except bigger. Um, it, it, you're, But I gotta tell you, I, I hate adult film stuff. I usually hate all that stuff because w- weird to me isn't funny. Weird isn't funny, weird is weird. And, uh, weird definitely isn't story. And I'm not talking like absurdist, like, Lon is talking about where there's some level of substance. I feel like a lot of that stuff is just people in, making fart noises in a room. And yes. I can't deal with it. And so when I got the email for this... Uh, from your good friend Cat Jones, and I was like, oh, we got Greg and Tommy and Brock and Lon. It's from Lon's company. I love Lon's company. And let me see what they did. And I, and then when I see the screen grab, and I'm like, looks a little adult swimmy, Jonathan. And I kind of, like, hit play, and from the get-go, I was into this. You remember, I texted you. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was, like, amazing. And I, and I was in love with it, but I think because it had a story there, and there's a level of vulnerability that I'm just gonna say is in the characters because oh, yeah. they're all complete rejects.
3: Oh yeah, um, and that is I think when people you know hopefully get to see more of this world, they'll understand all the characters have actually. Very sad and tragic backstories, and uh, ultimately kind of sad futures. Um, but but I don't want it to feel like a dystopian, like, uh, hopeless place. Mm-hmm. You know, I want there to be a, a, a fun and joy to it, strangely enough, because we've got enough dour, sad, gloomy stories being told right now um, on the screen. So... Even though it is kind of a, a world that is falling apart, uh, th- there can still be a lot of um, fun in it. <laughs> so what were your influences?
1: If, if you threw out all the, all the traditional stuff and you were like, we've had 40 years of that kind of storytelling, like, what were your actual influences?
3: Um, I mean, I I feel like I've pulled influences from outside of the sci-fi genre, but I've also been trying to steep myself in a lot of it. Um, I mean, I've been watching a lot of old, uh, things like, um... The the these like bizarre uh puppet shows from the sixties that were uh that uh, Jerry Anderson made, uh about, you know, people in space. Um I, I you know, I've been rewatching the original Star Trek series just to kind of because uh, 'cause I've never revisited was Jerry it as an adult. Yeah. 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 So he did we, I, I think under- we Captain talked Scarlet. about him. We talked about him on last episode because my Matt, Matt Weinhold
1: was in that M T V show Adventure Team or whatever that was Done in that style. Mm-hmm. I mean, super marionation. Yeah he, yeah, he said that term on the show. Super marionation. I'm yeah. like, yeah. okay. What a great concept. I think we're all super marionated <laughs> at this point. So,
3: I mean, I I, I watched old shows like that um, just to kind of see what some of the fringier sci-fi shows were, were doing. Um, I watched just the pilot for Babylon 5 because I never watched that when I was younger and thought it was absolutely terrible like but but they're like it is fun to look at at least like the world they built Mm -hmm. and so because that's what i've been doing with this show is really building out a large world Um, how how long does it go in your head how
1: long does it go because you read here the prophecy that i wrote Mm -hmm. and obviously i have like a lot of that stuff Mm -hmm. that isn't on page you know and you haven't read that but like we when we create these worlds we
3: create them for Years down the line. Like right. How far... I mean, I, this I, guy? I currently have about five good seasons worth of overarching story, but what's also fun with Space World is I want it to feel like those old Saturday morning cartoons where sort of they start... It seems like they start and end at the same place every episode. Yeah. Um, but... There is an overarching story. There's a lot of room for just standalone episodes because I also look at some modern sci-fi shows and I feel like they are too story heavy. Too like if you tune in one week and you didn't watch all the other ones, you're just completely lost.
1: I remember Joe Quesada, who when he was editor in chief of Marvel, I I remember him saying in some interview that you just have to. One thing that he tells us when he was editor in chief of Marvel, he'd tell his creators is every comic is somebody's first comic
3: mm-hmm.
1: like every comic like some yeah. kid is going to pick up a comic book for the first time and if that's in the middle of some really like intense storyline with a lot of we had to have read three thirty 30 years prior 30 years like you got to know it and um and you just have to remember when you sit down to write something that every episode even now in, in the binge viewing days like Yes, it's easy to start at episode one and watch all eight, all thirteen, all twenty-two because they're all at our fingertips. Is that what necessarily happens? No, you enter you enter a relationship, or you go over to a friend's house, or you are at with at your parents, and they're watching episode eight.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Matt Kelly came to visit me for Comic Con and. I was going to a Game of Thrones party. You want to come along? He's like, I've never watched a Game of Thrones. I was like, well, congratulations. You're about to watch the first episode of season six, you know? And and if you want to, you know, and and
3: he wanted to hang and he was okay with it. And, Every episode is somebody's first episode. Like, for me, when I grew up, you know, in the 80s and 90s, and I really enjoyed the X-Files. You got and older a then. Lot of, grew up, <laughs> a lot of uh, my favorite episodes of that show were the standalone ones that sure. could have happened at any point in their storyline. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping to recreate here, is just, like, we're going to make very fun episodes that you'll want to revisit... Um, and it won't really matter what order you watch them in, I guess. Well, what's the strategy here, Lon? Because this is this is your company. Tell me a little bit about Octopi, because
1: I just know all you guys from back in the day at Machinima. Sure. Well, we
0: broke off from Machinima, and I think I was on your show either like the week of the week our, after, our departure sort of, of, yeah. from Machinima.
1: You guys broke off, or it broke apart. Uh,
2: I'm well, kidding. it I did. Mean, it, really. it, I mean, it did. I mean, it still <clears> survived. <throat> it's gone now. Rest in peace, Machinima. Yes,
0: it, did. it was. It was sort of collapsing. Yeah, um, and we had forged a lot of valuable relationships with content creators, and we knew we had our own opportunity mm-hmm. in front of us. So when it became Apparent to do so, um, my good friend Isaac uh, swooped in and had way more, um, you know, business savvy skills than I was even aware Isaac of. Isaac
1: helped the whole but, uh, project financially? Or uh, the was... company. Yeah, um, he, he, I mean, it was, it, 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 it was a combination
0: of uh, Micah, Brooke, Isaac, and myself at the early stages. Uh, just, you know, coming together, we landed uh, Paranormal Action Squad for YouTube mm-hmm. Red, mm-hmm. you know, and that opened doors for us. Um, into more television and bigger opportunities. We did one for Robert Rodriguez's company, uh, El Rey Network, mm-hmm. called Explosion Jones. Also,
1: a con- connection back to Machinima, though. When I mean, didn't did, uh, the head of Machinima? He used to, that's right. He it went was on uh, to, Daniel. Daniel was the head of Machinima, and then he became the head over at. And yeah, the director power. of programming, I believe it was. The yeah, director yeah. Programming, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah not and, the head, the director of programming. Yeah,
0: and, and um, you know, so it's all who you know. Absolutely. It's all who you know. It, it, but it, it, what did you guys
1: do before the paranormal show? Because, like, how was it so touch and go? Specifically. Like, what, what, with, how was with, the direction there? Because I, I just remember, like, our friend Guy lives over by the Grove. And you guys remember that there's a billboard that, like, YouTube owns over on the Grove. It's on the wall of the Grove. Mm-hmm. And when you're coming out of, like, where Guy lives, uh, you're staring at the billboard. And it's always the YouTube shows and one day I look up and it's your show. Yeah. I remember seeing it what did the company look like before that? Before that YouTube Red thing, like so that was the
0: start of our company. Really, I mean, we were we were uh, happy hour. We were sort of an offshoot of Machinima. We were running their animation brand, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to do things that were kind of in the realm of old school MTV, Liquid Television. Yes. and I was looking for opportunities like that. You know, I, I had relaunched uh, Liam Lynch's Cifalinali. I, I remember having Liam
1: on the on the. I remember having Liam on Geekscape. To talk about oh, that's there. right. That's right. I guess
0: this is the third time I've been on your show because I was on that too. Were you sitting in on that? Yeah, or I was were you there. Were just chilling? I, I was there on that. It yeah, was yeah, fun. Yeah. That was cool. Um, so You hit
1: your quota. you got to go. So
0: Tom, the Tommy show <laughs> was the first effort to, to kind of bring in Brock and, and do something with Tommy and it was basically real on the nose, you know, put Tommy on an alien moon base and he plays video games, right? <laughs> but after that show played out, it, it was sort of like, I wish we could have gotten more narrative. I wish we could have explored that world more.
3: Well, uh, and, and you know, back then Tommy was saying that we were going to do 1,000 episodes of the Tommy Y show. <laughs> and so at that point, I started crafting a story of like, okay, well, what if it's kind of... You start seeing more and more that he's in the middle of this big intergalactic war between all these crazy aliens and he's caught in the middle. Right. Um, and so, like, with... When Lon approached me of working you know, with Tommy again on an animated thing, originally we had a completely different show.
0: Um, and it was, again, it was more on the nose. It was more like he was going to reinterpret famous movies. Like if Tommy had directed Star Wars, what would you have done, Tommy? Which is an interesting concept. It's fun. Yeah. But it doesn't... And it, 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 it's to Tommy's credit who really kind of put his foot down and said, "Yeah, I want to do something original."
3: Right. After yeah, after we went down the road there for a few months, he just kind of out of left field <laughs> sprung on me, "I'm not interested in doing this anymore. I don't want to do copyrighted material or anyone else's material." Even though there was a company very interested in this show, um I just said, "So you want me to start all the way over after having worked on the show for a year?" Um and he was like, "Yes. I don't care. Call it Tommy's Planet." uh you know uh and just just do something different and so i just i went back to my notebook from my old Tommy Wiseau days where i'd just written ideas down and i saw the words Tommy Wiseau Monster Hunter like cuz i i had this idea for kind of like a Van Helsing like thing sure. but then because he said Tommy's planet i was like well what if we just set it in space and he's a bounty hunter and so that's kind of where you know, Space World came from, like out of the ashes of another show. And I, re- I
0: remember the phone call, too, that we had when we were sort of like brainstorming with him, and he was bringing up uh, cartoons that he liked from his past, and he was making references to things that I don't think. Exists? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes right. I couldn't find that or, 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 or another dimension. Well, no. or. So I just, I just
3: took it like, well, I'm just going to create that then. I'm yeah. going to make him a show that he would like to sit and watch.
1: Um, and was Greg always a part of this? Was, was and, it was oh, it you guys start talking so, to
3: Greg? Also at that time when Tommy said I don't want to do other people's material, he said, "Also find a place for Greg." And I go, "Greg would do this?" <laughs> you like, <laughs> cuz I had met Greg years ago and we'd still kept in touch, but I mean, this was in the height of the Disaster Artist. I figured, you know, Greg is just, he doesn't care about whatever goofy thing I'm trying to do. And so I was like, I'd I'd be honored. And then I reached out to Greg and I said, hey, I've got an idea for this crazy show. Would you possibly be a part of it? And he was kind enough to trust me and be like, yeah. But but Greg, you hadn't been involved in the White Show show. I I know, I wasn't. So,
2: like,
1: why did you trust Brock? I met him at Comic-Con when he did House Actress Blood on Alex. When you guys were sitting at... You remember so who it else... Must was, it must have been the same event. Lon, I we, think you were the only person not at our booth that summer. Okay. Because <laughs> remember the dude from Cheaters was also yeah, at the booth? Joey Greco. Greco Greco, because Greco, Joey Greco was Joey there. Greco, he my, was in that. And my younger right. brother was there. Yeah, right? he
3: was. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yep. Paul was there. Yeah. Which
1: is insane. Geekscape is... Like, I'm going to give Paul a plug because I just thought of this. On Indiegogo, if you guys look up Tiger Man, my brother... Dude, you'd love this, Lon. Uh, my brother's currently involved in an Indiegogo, and I don't know how good their promotion is, but I would love for you guys to help it out. Um, he's going to shoot a proof of concept for a movie where he plays 70s Elvis in the like height of his karate chopping days where he's like doing karate, and he's actually a crime fighter. Oh, cool. he, like, he's fighting, like, you know, remember Karate Elvis? Mm-hmm. When Elvis got into his phase where he's doing karate moves on stage, but he's also practicing karate and trying to fight Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and stuff. It was late 70s. I mean, it was right before he died but it was 70s Elvis and he's doing karate and this filmmaker in England is a friend of my brother's knows that he didn't do wrestling and fighting all that stuff and literally it built this idea around my brother that's like Paul London as 70s Elvis fighting crime with karate moves great and I'm like yeah I'm sold I'm I am in. It. it's called Tiger Man and it's on Indiegogo right now so that sounds amazing <laughs> yeah. sounds perfect find a role for Greg um <laughs> hey man you can keep your hair long it'd be, it'd be 70s like you'd be good you could play like uh, you could play like a gangster like a bad guy or something yeah. it has like a whole
2: squad that's like kill him I think you'd be a great Jesus have you, done, yeah. have you Have you ever been... It's uh, There's like a meme that someone took a picture of Jesus and then put my face... So every Easter I have to see that. <laughs> guys, and it works. You guys day. know Jesus wasn't white, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> like,
3: like, please. I, I mean, I hate... That the, needs to be said a I, lot more. I, 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 I hate to the, the pop the
1: bubble. And you can definitely please Jesus, please. Like, there's a lot of Willem Dafoe <laughs> <pull> here. But...
3: <laughs> you know, also, what's funny like, about Jesus, Jesus like, is <laughs> people don't, people don't Jesus realize... Jesus did not look like fucking yeah, Ewan McGregor, if, man. If you really met if the human being of Lot Jesus was a really gaudy,
1: fucking suffering picture of
3: Jesus. If, if, if the human I mean, being of Jesus love. ever existed, which there literally is no proof that he really did, um, you would not want to go up and hug him. He would have been filthy, covered in various lice, <laughs> and, and uh, just very dirty and disgusting. Probably was missing most of his teeth. Oh, you hung and, with lepers. You know, Let's do this. The life expectancy <laughs> back then was what you know in your twenties or thirties. Yeah, no one had an education. <laughs> you yeah. know it was not a not a cool he didn't have a nice flowy white
0: robe yeah for, you yeah. know when you talk about um you know a karate chopping elvis i just feel like maybe you know he could team up with with jesus and the two of them could solve crimes together
3: can it be realistic jesus though <laughs> well, i want the, the yeah. gross little scummy jesus sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do that um so greg you met Brock
1: at the Geekscape booth at Comic-Con and you guys now do this. Yeah, and so
2: thing. I thought when he brought up the animation thing, I was like that was cool because there's been no nothing in that market for this, you know. No. There's been a book, there's been a movie, but an animation show is a perfect fit cuz you can get, you know, Tommy as a main character and kind of control what he looks like and what he's doing and you're not having to depend on Tommy the performer to do that. So you can just enjoy his his creativity through his voice and he can ad-lib or maybe say something crazy and Brock is able to like get it. This is the way mm. Tommy works instead of other people kind of trying to push him into a corner and say, no, you need to do it this way. No, he's his own thing. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I get this, but I'm going to try this. And we're like, cool. Let's see where it goes. So it's a much easier fit. I think for, for Tommy, the performer, the editing on this thing with you guys, was it like, did he
1: give you a lot that like you had to put in different <laughs> places the, 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 that, like what, he gave you Tommy. Are, clearly you had a lot of options.
0: In terms of Tommy's feedback on it, it was really more about the character design where he
3: wanted to... Well, when he's
1: recording and he he does his own Mm -hmm. thing for a stretch, like, you guys have so much
3: material. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were... You know, everything was carefully scripted. What's weird is there's a lot of... And he'll do the script, but then he's probably going to do a ton of other stuff, right? I mean, he's standing there with the script in front of him. And, and, you know, um, there's people in the YouTube comments who are just like, oh, sounds like you just put Tommy in a booth and had him just scream whatever, and then you just animated it. And it's like, no, actually, this was all very scripted. And you're a really good writer. But there are times where Tommy did go off, and we let him just, you know, like, for instance, at the end of the episode when he's griping about Bleepy, And you're just looking at the exterior of the ship sailing off, that was all Tommy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was him yelling at an imaginary bleeby that was printed up on a piece of paper in front of him in the booth. That's just railing on a drawing. Yes. (laughs) And and then it was so funny that I was like, that will be how we end the show. but,
1: But Lon, even though you guys are an animation channel, Fairly strictly, like, is there was there a camera in the booth that you guys then cut together behind the scenes and throw that up on the channel? For the, is that something for the that'd pilot, be
0: we uh, we unfortunately we didn't shoot anything. Mm-mm. It was a, it was a, just a, one picture. Yeah, we, <laughs> it was like the session was uh, all of us kind of you know one after another. It was it was kind of a. Were
1: uh, you guys interested in a production consultant in any way? Because that would have been valuable stuff that you I've guys could make another episode this out of. To it. Them. Yeah, guys, yeah, and then more content. There,
0: there was a live action component at one point, and. um yeah, one of our partners at, at uh, Octopi kind of pushed back against it, just for, I think, budgetary, you know, concerns, but um, moving I forward... I Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Moving forward, though, it would be great right. to to, uh, to get some, some B-roll in there and, you know, have some uh, supplemental material just to see it. You know, yeah. And, yeah, and it, it
3: was actually. a very unconventional way to record that episode, because all six of us voice actors were there at the same time and, like, feeding off each other's energy and everything, which tommy does very well you know um he, he kind of requires having other people to bounce off of in in everything i've done with him. totally
1: but did greg get the same leeway on being able to throw a couple things his way or oh, yeah. i just kind of i
2: mean i liked what brock did with the character so it was kind of easy to just let it go and then he would direct me while i was in the booth mm-hmm.
3: so <laughs> yeah but i mean he changed he altered words here and there you know based on the emotions of it all which i'm 100% fine with um Lon, you'll be the man to answer this. Is this not just the character from Micronauts, the villain? <laughs> He's looking at the dro. dro- well, well, what, what Was, was designed it, not
1: just the villain from
3: Micronuts in a way. It, yeah, I
1: think there might be some
0: inspiration. No, uh, because uh, I experience. don't
3: even know what that is, and <laughs> and I can honestly say that my fiance Georgia Smith, uh, who who voices the character Warfus in Space World, um, the big fur beast character, um, she designed the characters with me. Like, right, um, we're gonna need to talk. Because I
1: had this action figure as a kid. Not that exact action figure. No, listen, if you're sitting here looking for some drama, don't be doing it. Don't us...
0: Micronauts is a pretty obscure... Micronauts is pretty obscure at this point. So,
1: like, I remember remember seeing that and being like, oh, that's a riff on that Micronauts (laughs) villain, because I thought the design was inspired by the villain from Micronauts, because obviously a parody of that character is parody and completely legit and able to do it, okay? But,
3: um... But it wasn't. But it we, wasn't. We've never heard seen I met your, show. Because I met your... You've met Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, she's, she's not a, a, a fan of... of no. You know, she, like I was like, what you doing with this guy? Um, I mean, I met her two weeks ago, <laughs> and I was like, hey, what up? Oh you're with Bro oh what you doing with <laughs> on. What you doing in a but, place like but, this? You know, she uh but you know, the, the character design basically came from we knew that we wanted T X to look like Tommy. Um sure. but really I wanted him to be the only human looking character in this show. Yeah. Everyone else is going to be super uh, smart a thing designed, so yeah. Uh,
0: It'd also be a crime not to mention Lowbrow Studios
3: and Mike Parker, who swept in and did an amazing job. uh, Yeah, the animation animation. studio uh, that put this together, they were able to take Georgia, her designs, and then... Crank out some amazing, uh, you know, versions of those, and and you know, I think they even came up with a couple. They came up with uh, Drogo's ship design, I think, all on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I designed TX's ship kind kind of specifically, um, but yeah, and they they are meeting uh, like meeting Mike Parker and his team was um, just such a, a joy because. I, I this was my first animated project, and so I was just scared that things wouldn't uh, look as weird as I wanted. And somebody would make it their thing. And, oh man, they they delivered on every single thing. You yeah, know? he's but got a
1: Lon, now. Listed. Like, what's the lifespan? I mean, not the lifespan. What's the what's the, what's the production turnaround? Something like this because. Uh, I was actually showing our good friend Alex Major, who's a long time geekscapist and an animator. Uh Alex and I were getting together on a project, an animated project, and we were and I was pointing out your channel to him. And I was like, Okay, look at the different uh variations. If you guys haven't checked out the Octopi channel, please go to YouTube and do so. Uh and it doesn't just live on YouTube, does it? You can find it on other... We've got a
0: presence on Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe we've got an Instagram, and there's there's more um, effort being put into the website itself sure. and plans for how that might become more dynamic.
1: Just take a look, GeekScape, at just the different um, diversity that they're, they have in style. Like, you guys put out a really, really successful... Uh, short piece that was "What if Stranger Things was done as an '80s anime?" That I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. It came through your channel. Like, so you guys were working with all sorts of different production houses in the animation, yeah. And Mike was one of these.
0: Yes, yes. So and we now, we What's the
1: on that? Like, how long does it take Mike to then take the insanity of Brock's words and <laughs> designs was it, was it and things, four, and then? Four
3: months. Five. We recorded this at the end of January. Okay, like the last day of January, and then we released the finished pilot the last day of June. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's really fast.
1: I think that's fast. Like, for that animation, fast? you tell me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on the amount of assets, the amount of work, backgrounds, uh, the style that you, you know you want to go with. Um, and uh, we went with uh, Lowbrow because they do have a really um, great sort of balance of, of quality and, and uh, pipelines in terms of time right. that they can kind of like get. Where are they located? That, um, they are based out of the East Coast. I want to say... Connecticut. Can American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So I, I talked to the different companies. Um, the, the, they ask if I want to do an animated project or this and that, but then they want to do the fucking thing in India. I mean, no offense, India. No offense, Korea. No offense... We've worked with India Asia. before. Like, like, no offense, but they want to do it in a style that it feels like the like... In something like this, there are a lot more cooks in the kitchen and there are a lot more... It's not like you're just taking a camera and you're shooting. There are a lot of places where you're going to lose a lot of time in miscommunication. Mm-hmm. So adding not just an ocean between you, but languages between you, yeah, like that causes a lot of miscommunication. It whole- causes a slowdown. Like remember when The ship- Simpsons shifted to that kind of a production window? It, it kind of change the shit yeah a little
0: bit there's a there's a process we call retakes uh, mm-hmm. in the animation world where you get your, your uh, a hold of the original project file whether it was created in you know animate um it's like a flash format right and you can go in and tweak things um and that's where you're typically doing it in in-house right um so sometimes that's that's the case
1: where and that file works as like a bible for Anybody who's working on the series, yes so. yes it's
0: all code and it's usually sure. a small file so you can you can open it up and and uh, but then that's where you're 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 going to be paying the U S rates you know it, yeah. it's a, it's always a balance of, of you know
1: did you uh, want to go into animation was this your thing no because you were over at Machinima and they they threw this happy hour thing at you like I don't understand well like, what, what, now my, it's your thing My
0: animation man. made the most sense for me when at Machinima was because I was I was a content guy you I, know? I was not, I wasn't a gaming Person, I right. knew I knew, um, you know, storytelling. And what I found was that the people who were working in animation were the ones that were paying attention to those things. That they were really on the the blueprint level of, of how to you know create something. Uh, and I and that was the stuff I kept pointing to as being interesting. And so we should put more focus on that kind of content. You know, yeah. as opposed to. The game engine manipulation stuff which was interesting but it didn't feel like it had as much of a
1: lifespan and this is not a flat this was not done in flash this this show the uh, space world
0: i believe it was, was animate um, an, which, which is a version of of, of flash. flash is a technology right? Yeah. it's 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 basically like um a code where you can uh design you know images that can be blown up to to any kind yeah, of scale.
1: And, and i think what i'm saying in, what i'm getting to and uh what i don't like about when i when i say traditional flash animation is that it relies too much on that and what you're looking at is stills with moving mouths that have basic, mainly like zoom ins and zoom outs for dramatic mm-hmm. effect mm-hmm. and you're looking at the same image over and over again as cutaways and they're not cutaways they're not new shots they're the same shots in different compositions and the world looks flat. And I don't think... They, I mean, I don't love that. Well, it's and also about one, how it
0: moves. And you know, this
1: think. reminds me a lot more... I mean, GeekScape is... If I'm going to tell you guys to go watch this cartoon, I think that the reference I'm going to give you guys the most is a Hanna-Barbera, Herculoid style. Because even though there is a little bit of like a 2D plan to like running across the screen or this and that, there's depth to the shots.
3: And Herculoids is one of the... Things like when I was thinking, okay, like what is the animation style I want? And even like the Hercules was such a bizarre little... Um, I don't think most people even know about it. Really, like it's kind of it's it's obscure. um, Because it came about when Hanna Barbera was putting out fifty things a week, you know, and it was about just a strange group of creatures all living in this kind of prehistoric world, but it's set in the future. Like there was a lot about it that didn't make any sense. Half the characters couldn't even talk. They were like dragons and weird Mm -hmm. things that that just they couldn't even write storylines for him cuz there's nothing to it. No, you could it. write they a storyline for Orco, but
1: you could, you could write a story for like yeah, Orco, but you can't write
3: a storyline for And so when I, Snarf, Snarf yeah. gets a storyline.
1: When I was, Oppa got a storyline in in in
3: in um in Avatar: the Last Airbender. Oppa gets his own episode, yeah. but you
1: couldn't do that with Hercules. I think you're yeah, right.
3: Yeah, and, and like when I first was describing the world to lowbrow, uh when we brought them on, I did I think I said like think of the Herculoids Um, I I mean I originally pitched to them that I wanted the animation style to be even like dumpier like to look like it was hand drawn and when you see them from far away they're crummy looking and then when you zoom in they're a little more detailed but they were like what if we go in a little more modern uh, direction Mm -hmm. with it Um, but we still kept a lot of the feel of that I mean when they land on the planet in in the pilot you for sure can see now it's interesting because you're you're emulating
0: older formats and older methods that were used like you look at um 3d or the the lego movie for example where it looks like stop motion when it's actually like a new version of um 3d that's designed to emulate that look it's
1: pretty amazing remember that very first short that came out where like the eight bits were destroying each other and you had king kong and all that stuff remember that first short that hit like 15 years ago it was done in that style and you're just like holy crap this is this is visual crack. It looks amazing. Yeah, that was the inspiration for that uh, that movie, Pixel. Pick, yeah, right. Yeah. The, 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 Pixel? Adam yeah, the Adam Sandler movie. The Adam Sandler. That was the inspiration. For it was. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Moment of silence. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I wasn't case. inspired when I <laughs> Listen, I know you guys are enthusiastic, geekscapists. I know you like to go on the internet and hit the hit, get give these things a lot of views. But for every Avengers End Game, this leads to, it also leads to a Pixels. So be very careful with where you put those clicks. Okay, Geekscapeists? Every time you listen to a Geekscape episode, I'm like, well, I guess I'll be here next week. Yeah. Be very careful when you share this episode that that person is going to reward you with an, a more Geekscape. Because, uh, what am I talking about? I and to by myself. And
3: what is Pixels full of? Reference comedy. Reference just, comedy. Not Hey, fun. what if we just have Donkey Kong throw a barrel and hit someone in the nuts? Hey kids, rem- remember Pac-Man? tight i remember i remember, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I remember berries yeah. <laughs> i remember um okay so lon like correct me if i'm wrong live actions you guys do some live action over there now you guys are trying to do some other projects we, over we have
0: um an amalgam show that's uh, uh something i'm hosting actually called creative chaos which brock got to be a part of as well i remember um we sit on a panel and we basically dream up a, a concept based on these assets we pull from hats. So we combine pop culture elements and then we end up creating something totally original and weird. Um, it's called Creative Chaos and it's actually launching um, relatively soon. but that is a that is a live action uh, animation combo show that runs a good you know 10 to 15 uh which is which is a lot of fun and yes yeah. yeah,
1: i see i see you that eyebrow that. i just, well, I, just I, that I, that long. I remember you guys solic- <laughs> like asking if i could do it and i couldn't at the time and i'm like that sounds like a lot of fun and oh, i man. hate my life right now i, I wish can't you do well did. i think yeah.
0: we, we're gonna get a season two on this okay one. so wow.
1: let's chart me up fun. but like tommy i'll do it if greg does it <laughs> yeah, what do you think yeah. i'm looking out for my guy all right. No. Well, the next one, I think we're going to actually... Because, look, you took the best-looking dude and you put a fucking helmet on him and make him animated, Brock. Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like,
2: is there a scene where he takes his helmet off and you get to actually see yeah, this? Yeah, well, Tommy did bring that up. He said, look, helmet needs to come off. The so yes, helmet he, needs to come off, in end the Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Don't he, scar
3: him up either. He has told me a couple of times, you know, you are doing a big disservice to Greg by not having his face. And I'm like, well... It's sh- I mean, it's an animated side <laughs> Well, how sh- yeah. about this? If the <laughs> helmet comes
0: off him, we take the sunglasses off Tommy at some
1: point. That's the see deal. I want to see That's those That's the eyes. deal. <laughs> um, Greg, like, after the disaster artist came out, I got to tell you, my dad did not know anything about the room. My dad didn't know anything about Tommy, didn't know anything about you. We... We were... Uh, when it came out two Christmases ago... Uh, my family... I was in Austin and my stepmom and my dad were like... We are looking for things to, to watch. We always like to go to the movies. And we each get to pick one. And I think my dad wanted to see the Gary Oldman Churchill movie. And I think my stepmom picked something else. And I was like... Well, I'm going to go... I want to see The Disaster Artist. And my parents knew nothing about it. <laughs> Obviously, I was well-versed. And... Um, I... And I think it was pretty much, uh, I, think, I think we've all agreed that I won that one. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it was an unspoken, okay, well, that movie wasn't that much fun. That movie was a little, like, dour. And we where are we going to have the most fun? And we worked out a disaster artist, and we loved it. And my dad was howling, laughing at the whole thing. Um, obviously, credit to James and the whole team. But also, like, I think that without the the, the blueprint of that book, and without taking it through that prism of your experiences and making it, like we said earlier, very personal mm-hmm. and having some depth, um, what, is the, what has come out of that whole experience?
2: Um, I mean, it just was a really great reward because you start out, you know, you make this terrible movie. You think, okay, is this going to get acting work or something? No, <laughs> it's not. So I just thought, like, bigger. I mean, I love movies, you know, just like this. the room we're in right now. Uh, and I thought this would be a great Ed, modern day Ed Wood. You know, I thought this could be a Sunset Boulevard, but with like a happy ending. So but I just it needed
1: to be a book first, and you were like, "This needs to be a book," and this is something I control. I don't yeah, need to
2: have it, collaborators. I can just write it. Yeah, I just looked at like a, um, you know, like a survival story, like 127 hours, like the guy who had to cut off his arm. Mm-hmm. Just something that was that was about a friendship, because not a lot of people really want to read about bad movies. Sure, you know what I mean. It's not like a huge. Market for it. No, it's long. It was, the market is long. <laughs> <laughs> the market is in this room. Like, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Weirdness. people are doing a book club. They're not going to want to read, oh, let's read about a bad movie none of us have seen. But if it's like a story, an inspirational story or a weird story, like a great Gatsby kind of thing. I sure. said, let's let's go for it. So that's the way I approached it. That's way. a crazy comparison that I now see.
1: Mm-hmm. That there's something Gatsby esque about the, the disasters. Yeah, totally.
2: Yeah, and you have a guy kind of following, who is this guy? Why is he, why is this, why does he he's do in anything in wrong, but it works? You know, right. he's like, oh, it's, you know, stay away, stay out of this big building, San Francisco. I was like, how did you get a building in San Francisco when well, my parents have worked for 40 years and have like a house? You know what I mean? It was just, it was fascinating. So, I looked at it that way, and I and I did think if Tommy was written properly, the way I saw him, it's a it's a dream role. Like, what actor wouldn't want to take that on? So, I just looked at it a different way, and then it worked. And then a lot of people were like, "Oh, the, the movie's not, never going to get made. Nobody's going to want to see this." And so it was just really validating when it like it worked, and people loved it, and it was up there. And um and what also getting to visit the set, see the way these people work. Uh, I realized you can you can have fun making a movie. It doesn't have to be like the experience I had on the room. Like you can work with friends, work really hard, and have fun, and make a good movie. So I was like, I want to try to do that, and that's where Best Friends came about. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to try to like take what I learned from this experience, try to take Tommy seriously, kind of like what we're doing with this, and see like if we can make something that's less shit. <laughs> Who else was involved in Best Friends? Um, so I just. Uh, I I wrote and produced it and then we had a good team of people that filmed it and Paul Shearer did a small role and it was mainly just kinda of Tommy and I. Just us taking our friendship, taking the weird experiences maybe that didn't go into the disaster artist and fictionalizing it and putting it into a, a noir a noir thriller filmed in LA. In the-
1: I haven't watched it, but I've seen. I've, I've talked to people who are like these movies are different films, like like <laughs> yeah. act, like like. And that fascinates me like crazy to have a two parter, but they're just very distinct from each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the distribution on that? Where can we see Best
2: Friends? Uh, so Lionsgate picked it up. Uh-huh. And they released it. They're streaming and it's on Blu-ray. So. I think it's something. on
1: Amazon Prime right it's now. On Prime, yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah, got to so see this. See I just cool. love experience. Like you got you know better like. Because I, I heard people were like, "Oh, it was good. Oh, it was bad. Oh, it was this." I was like, "You know what? <laughs> yeah, you're never like, gonna win. Just, just- you're never gonna win. I gotta see it. I want to see interesting. Like, I don't want to see another good or bad version of the same story. It doesn't ma- You know what, Gatescape is? It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It matters if it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It matters if it's new. It matters if it's fresh. It matters if it expands rather than just put another." Like, like, track down on a train track that we've already been down a million times. This is where I plug Space World again. <laughs> like, we, I think, I'm asking Brock, like, what all these blueprints are from traditional train track sci-fi. And he's like, oh yeah, we didn't even go on that train track.
0: Well, one of the really fun things for me has been getting... Closer with Brock through this process and learning about your uh, work with Amy Heckerling, mm-hmm. um, and and you you tossed a couple titles by way um, that I was unfamiliar with. There was Vamps, and uh, You Will Never.
3: I could never be your woman. I
0: could, I could never be your woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed watching those and sort of being taken into the current realm of, of Amy's Amy's work because she she's got such a. A uh, history oh, yeah. and, and plugged into so much um, Hollywood, uh, you know, moments throughout. You know, that, that and, are yeah, so and Geeks
3: Gavis Brock has been her assistant for almost fifteen years. I mean, she like you know, I, I was working in film in New Orleans, and then Hurricane Katrina happened, and I um, and a few of my buddies evacuated out to L.A. kind of on a whim, um, and uh, someone put me in touch with. They said, oh, there's an Amy Heckerling movie that's shooting in the UK right now, but they're going to shoot half of it in LA, and maybe they need uh, you know, some kind of a producer's assistant or something. And so I was brought on as um, an assistant to a completely different producer, but then when Amy and I met, we just clicked, and she needed an assistant at that time and she was just like you're gonna stay with me (laughs) you know you're you're with me from now on kid um and it was like uh ever since then you know uh so that that was actually i could never be your woman that was Mm -hmm. the first project we did together and i mean i have learned so much from her over the years like she has taken me into pitch meetings with the head of Warner Brothers, and I've gotten to see what that's like. She's take, You know, I've gotten to follow her from the moment she had an idea for a script all the way through when we're putting it on screen. And, um, you know, she reads everything that I write and b- b- gives me feedback, and, I mean, that's just the kind of mentorship you can't find yeah. often in life. Right. Um, and she's brilliant, and you know some of her recent projects I feel haven't gotten the attention they deserve. Right, uh, a lot of it, like with both, uh, I think Vamps and especially I Could Never Be Your Woman, the distribution was n- botched, right, and um, right. so no one even knows they exist. Well, um, the last
0: time I was on, he's Geek's going to the Gate. shelf to get things. Oh my god, Geek's
1: gave us. he's going to the shelf to get things. Oh my god, here we go. Last time I
0: was, <laughs> I last was time I was on Geek's I, I, I had some copies of Adolph Lundgren's Punisher. <laughs> But what we have here are the German uh, Blu rays for I Could Never Be Your Woman. Um, This is the
3: original. Holy shit, you are a pirate. And you guys (laughs) enjoyed enjoy this. You just gave uh, me a German Blu ray. And Amy is obsessed with World War Two and Hitler and Germany itself, and she did not even know that this existed. A German
1: she, version of. I am
3: going to show her this Blu-ray DVD of this film, and she's going to flip out. So
1: I mean, is on this, vi- not visual medium. Uh, Lon just went and picked up a couple uh, Blu-ray copies of, uh, of the movie and handed them out to I all I Could players. Never Stash. Be Your Woman.
3: It's, it stars Michelle Pfeiffer, ha, Paul, Paul Rudd, John Lovitz. She, this is first film, Amy Discovered Her. Yeah. Fred Willard, Tracy Ullman. It's got a fantastic cast. Oh,
0: I watched it and I was like, wow, I can't believe I've Whoa. never heard or have seen this before because it's a phenomenal romantic comedy.
1: And luckily this is in English as well.
3: Yes, you got to just
0: switch I, it, over, yeah, it I, I, over. The default, default, default is, is German.
3: German. But <laughs> I have German. no idea where to find it um, as for you know to watch it these days. Maybe you can like get it on, you know, prime or something. But, maybe, um, you just, maybe your friend is a good pirate. No, do not pirate things ever, anyone. Um, <laughs> especially this movie. But although people do need to see it. Um, and so yeah, so there, there is the Amy Heckerling of it all to my life. Um and, you know, I mean, I showed her the first cuts of Space World, and she was just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but she gets it. She's she... really cool. She, I, I got
0: to meet her at the uh, birthday party that I was invited <laughs> to and chat with her just to, for a moment. And uh, right away, she, I, I got a sense of her, like, creativity. And, and we, we we mentioned your part. I think it was in Vamps where you're... Um, like a cop or so something that led to this dumpster She's dumpster detective. I was a
3: dumpster cop I was a cop at a dumpster <laughs> who finds a torso and we
0: started riffing on that and going well what if there was a, a movie about dumpster detectives <laughs> <laughs> It's was like I was developing something with Amy Heckerling that think, all I of think, sudden... I, think we gotta, I think we gotta
1: enact the YZORU rule ro- though Greg's gotta be in it oh yeah absolutely yeah.
0: so so dumpster
1: detectives is something that's currently in development yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, Geek's gave is let's keep our focus on Space World I'm gonna let you guys Guys go because I can talk to these guys for a very long time, uh, as you guys can tell. Um, space World, you guys can find it on the Octopi YouTube channel, also the Octopi website. That's right. You um, can uh, watch you can all that stuff.
0: Tune in and hopefully you'll see more as we as we uh, pursue a larger scope of what is possible with space. Is World.
1: there going to be more Space World? That's really the question I got for That's you. That's what buddy. we're hoping. That's what we're what, hoping. What does it take? Okay, talk to us.
0: I mean, it takes it takes a you know oh. you need a sponsor
1: you need like something like that like what do you need um, I don't know how you think works
0: yeah I mean we're, we're kind of developing um, a pitch right now that okay. we're going to be taking around and um, the, the idea is to, to shoot for a 22 so mm-hmm. that's that's the scope of, of what we think is appropriate for the story uh, you know These 22 minute episodes 22 minute episodes I
3: originally thought It would be like 10 minutes or so But then Recently I just Wrote something That was Felt very good That was That was longer That was actual You know TV length So So if we could find The right home for it
1: How many episodes 22 minutes each?
3: We'd be looking for a
0: full a million, season. like really.
3: I mean, million. literally someone just said, "Well, you got to fill a thirty-episode first season," I would not even, you know, bat an eyelash at that. That's okay. easy. All right. Well, uh, your brain is
1: intimidating me. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> You're just going. Uh, I well, love I,
0: it. I, 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 there's absolutely so much material to be to be mined here in space world. I mean, uh, we've had these sessions before uh, where Brock just kind of like unleashes such an incredible amount of creativity, um, if we can even get a third of that onto on, on screen. You're I'm stupid, showing I'm Jonathan
3: London yeah. the map of Space World right yeah. now yeah. on yeah, my ma- laptop, my nose which no one has seen. <laughs> my nose is bleeding. And this is what the actual world looks like. Are you still going
1: to kill Greg's character off in three episodes? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is disrespectful. No, no. That is disrespectful. Never. You put a little,
3: uh, here's a little skull and crossbones where his character dies. I mean, there's a lot
2: okay. going on.
3: So, um, yeah. I hope we get to tell these very silly stories. is keep ratcheting up the views
1: on this one. I know I gave you guys a little bit of a lecture on what you guys choose to click on. This is definitely something that I want you guys to click on because uh, I'm a big fan of this and I want to see it continue. Oh, because I want action figures. Uh, Exactly. And and I know Lon wants action figures. Really? And and I know Brock wants action figures, and the kids he might be trying to send to college one day want action figures.
3: My idea is to make, like, Musclemen-sized figures of the characters in this show, because there are a lot of characters, and there were a lot of Musclemen. Did anyone play with Musclemen? Of course. Of course. course. Yeah, Yeah, that's my fantasy for this.
1: All right. All right. Uh, Geeks Gapers, you can check out Space World, obviously, on the Octopi Network. Greg, what do you got
2: to promote Beyond? You got anything else going down? Uh, I am working on a, uh, a horror film right now that's going to be filming in Arizona later this year. So it's about a cult that lives in the desert. I know a few things about cults at this point. <laughs> so.
1: Who else? Is, is there anybody else in it? You guys want to um, come on the show at, when, when you guys are ready to release it? You guys want to come back and hang out? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's do that. For sure. Let's do that. So whoever you make friends with whoever's not cool, they're not invited. <laughs> Alright, and Lon, you're coming back for this live action thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, we got to do something. That would be great. That would okay. be. We we're gonna we're gonna put a little uh, promotional campaign around it. Well, Creative chaos is it's coming.
1: Creative chaos. All right, Geekscape, as you got your mission. We love missions here on Geekscape. You guys have one. Roll out. We'll, uh, you guys can help uh, help us out too by sharing this episode uh, hit that little share button and obviously if you guys are getting this on uh, Apple Podcasts or any of those podcasters leave us, leave us a 5 star review and go ahead and uh, share it with your friends that really helps our visibility that helps our growth it helps us get cool guests in the studio because they're like oh I've heard of Geekscape I'd love to come by and hang out and um, This is for you guys. We love doing the show for you guys. Uh, We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Search for Geekscape. You'll find us uh, over and out. Geekscape forever. Thanks for
2: having us, bud. Thank Thank you. you.
1: Always a pleasure. Peace.
2: You're listening to the Geekscape Network.